Hello and welcome to the Metropolis Podcast. I am so glad you are joining us today as we continue the Cat University series with cat behaviorist Dr. Rachel Geller. What else I'm excited about is that we've had a great deal of listener participation in the recent weeks. So if there is a subject that you want us to cover, please send an email to me at tellnotales, T-A-L-E-S, at petropolis.com, and I will make sure that we connect and we cover that subject that you're interested in hearing about. But in today's episode, let's talk about today's episode. Today's episode, we are going to be discussing two types of aggression, play aggression and petting aggression. And we're also going to be discussing kids with cats. So let's get started. Hello. Hi there. How you doing? Good, good. I'm good. Welcome back. So uh, we continue in this series. I think it's it's really informative. I've had a lot of positive feedback. <laughs> no, I've gotten some great um, emails and phone calls, and um, that's what I want, you know. And especially when somebody says, you know, that it came from Taz, like I, that makes me feel great because it means people are watching, and if they still have another question, they feel free to reach out. So. Yep. I want yeah. to make sure people feel, you know, that yes, please get in touch with me, go on my website, submit a question, go on my email, whatever, whatever, whatever gets you to me. I know, I know. I've had, a, I had one woman uh, come in asking about her cat was urinating on the bed and I said, you need to call Rachel on this one. I can't, yeah, I was trying to guide her, but she claimed she had done everything already. And yeah, they all say that. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, standing there in a store with a mask on is kind of hard to have, you know, the proper communication. And she was rushed, yet she wasn't. It was a very strange feel. I said, you know what? Listen to the episodes. And then from there, if you can't get the right feel for it, then call Rachel. And um, we'll see. But a lot of good feedback. So Great. Good. Yes, they were going to do petting aggression and cats with kids. Yeah. Let's talk about aggression. <laughs> Let's talk about aggression. Well, I mean, it's just interesting because so much that people just term, you know, the cat is aggressive, but the cat usually really isn't aggressive. There's, you know, some reason. Um, but petting aggression, I think, is is a tricky one for a lot of people because, you know, they're doing something that they think the cat should enjoy, and then they mm. don't understand why the cat turns around and swats but um especially yeah. cats in shelters you know it's like pat 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 all day like they do have their limits <laughs> oh my god you know imagine being touched constantly by people no. you don't know no i cannot even if people i do know <laughs> how, come how come we're not how come we're not empathetic about you know, about that, how come we as humans can't connect to what they're feeling, especially, you're right, in a shelter? Why is it that we think it's okay for us to keep rubbing this animal nonstop, and when they lash out, they're a bad kitty. They're not right. bad kitty, you're, right. stupid, you're a stupid person. <laughs> it's, it's funny, because it goes both ways, like sometimes people can't 
empathize, but then on the other hand, some people go overboard with putting like a human construct on a cat. Um, yeah. 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 Like, like they need privacy in their litter boxes. That we like privacy, but a cat really couldn't care less. A cat. <laughs> <laughs> my neighbor lets her cat outside. That cat will take a dump in the front lawn with a trail of cars going by. The cat couldn't care less. Um, <laughs> <laughs> When you gotta go, you gotta go, right? No kidding, but we'll do all these things, you know, so the cat has his privacy and then they don't want to go in a box like that. So it, it is kind of interesting. So let's let's start this out because Okay. I, I let's would you mind if we start out with the kids and cats? Because I think that's a that'll be a better lead in to the yep. impression I mean Perfect. I have a niece and nephew. One of my my, my nephew is um very boisterous and loud. Uh, at age seven and my niece is you know she's theatrical she's nine and and my brother has seven my brother and his wife have seven cats so um some of the cats are fine with the kids and others are like yo go away yeah so yeah. kids and cats tell okay. me your thoughts. let's start off with ash okay so um children and cats really can have you know, a beautiful relationship, but it is really, really important that we, the adults, teach our children how to interact with the cats. Um, it's, it's important for us to realize that for a lot of young kids, see a cat walking by, they almost might look at it as a moving toy. So it's up to us to explain to a child, and even a young child can understand that a cat's body is very sensitive, a cat doesn't want to be touched, a cat doesn't want to be pulled, and as enticing as it may be to a young kid, um, you never want to pull a cat's tail, you never want to, you know, um, touch the cat. Um, you, always want to, you always want to be sure to be touching your cat in a gentle manner. So I do feel really strongly that it's up to us as the adults to teach our young children these lessons. And, you know, we teach even very young toddlers how to play with each other, how to be nice to um, other, other children. So, cat, so cats are, you know, also a living being and our very young children are, are totally capable of learning how to interact appropriately with a cat. And I think it, we, we can model. So if you're playing with your cat with the fishing pole type toy, let your young child hold the wand with you and let the child be part of the game. If you know your cat is really calm when he's sitting on your lap, that could be a good time to let your kid sit next to you and again, model how to you know, pet the cat appropriately and gently. Um, if the cat likes to sit on a cat tree and feel safe there, that's another place that you could stand, you know, with your child and teach your, your kid how to interact with the cat in, in an appropriate way. So there are times that, that it would make sense for the adult and the child to be together with the cat. And this helps the cat too, because the cat already has a trust factor with the adult. So the cat is already going to kind of take down his stress level a little bit because you're there. And then slowly introduce your child into these activities. Um, and kids can also learn basic, you know, cat behavior language. 
all young kids can understand what it means if you say the ears are in a T position and you show your child what that is. So teach your, your child, if you see the cat's ears in a T position, mm -hmm. that means go away and leave the cat alone a little bit. And um, if you see the tail lashing very quickly back and forth, this is something a very young child can understand as well. Go ahead and um, let that cat be. But they also teach people to make sure they have kind of um, leave me alone places in the house for the cat. We're going to agree as a household that this cat tree over here or this little room over here or this area of the house, this is a place where if we see the cat go, we're going to leave that cat alone no matter what. And the cat will quickly learn this is a safe zone. Cats are very perceptive that way. Mm -hmm. And the children will learn respect and responsibility for the cat. So it goes both ways. So have a safe zone for the cat and teach your child where that safe, where those safe zones are. And it should be more than one, I assume, especially, I mean, these cats are innocent beings and sometimes, nothing against kids, but sometimes they can be really, you know, going through their crazy twos. Uh, you know, I remember when my nephew was two and three, he screaming all over the place. I, mean, I was agitated. Forget about the cats. No, it's true. I mean, little kids, you know, can have these herky-jerky movements and they can be loud and, they, you know, they're running around. So again, it's really important that we model good behavior, how you would act around a cat, model gentle behavior. When we do have those opportunities to play with the cat with a fishing pole toy or pet the cat when he's in a nice, gentle, calm state, that those are times we can now invite our children to play with the cat with us or pet the cat with us. And this way we're guiding, we're modeling, we're, re, we're re, you know, telling the kid when they're doing it correctly. And if the, the kid is not, we can show. So those are really good opportunities. And one thing I want to point out too, is I do see a lot of um, parents who want to use the new cat to teach responsibility and things like that, you know, um, yeah. responsibility and, and duties, doing chores with the cat. So if you're going to do that, really make sure it's age appropriate. And do remember that your cat's health and well-being come first. So don't give a young child a really important job like feeding the cat, scooping the litter box, or, you know, cleaning and refilling the water bowl. Those are things that for older children, you know, teenagers, um, or you. And even given a teenager, I would check to make sure the cat has been fed and mm -hmm. the water bowl has been cleaned and filled. But give them, give them responsibilities that won't affect the cat's health or well-being. Um, Playtime twice a day. Um, treats, a, a special time with the, the young kid sits with the cat and gives treats once a day, things like that. And that's, their, and that's their, their child's responsibility, you know, to help with bonding and happiness for the cat or even like some dental um, treats or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, anything like that, those are great ways to say, this is what you're going to do with the cat every day. But just be careful not to use the cat as a, um, an experiment in teaching your kid responsibility because sometimes 
it doesn't always work out so well. And we don't want the cat to be hungry or not have water or have a dirty litter box or something like that. It often doesn't work out. And um, parents need to take responsibility for any living being that's living under their roof that can't handle things for themselves. You're, you're being very kind. I'm always, I'm, I'm always like, come on, you know, wake up. <laughs> you're the parent. You take care of the cat and the kid and the kid watches you and learns from you. And hopefully we'll want to mimic those positive influences that you're providing as opposed to, I told you to do this kind of mindset. And that always frustrates me because I actually had a, um, a client come in and she was really agitated with her son uh, because the dog was urinating in the house. And we're talking about, I'm talking about dogs at this point, but it's the same concept. The dog was urinating in the house and she said, well, you never take him out. You know, he's, 10 years old during a pandemic and you never take him out was her comment. And I just stood there. I said, how old is he? And she said, he's 10. And I said, do you go out for walks with him? She's like, no. I said, you let him walk around New York city with a dog who pulls like crazy. Does he know how to put the collar on? And she just looked and she got angry. She looked at me and um, said, we're done here and left. And I, I feel like I, overstepped and then again I felt like I didn't really overstep because come on wake up wake up right so you don't want to give a 10 year old you know responsibility where the dog or the cat is going to be completely dependent on that a child that age carrying out the responsibility mm -hmm. and we all know the um you know, the attention span of, of your average 10 year old. So, and for that matter, a lot of teenagers. So you really do have to step in. But I think, you know, what we do, I mean, our kids are always watching us. So just model that really good behavior whenever you can model it because they want to do what we do. Yeah. You know, and, and, and deep down, they may not always want to admit this, but you know, the kids do want to model us. They do want to, do what we do and they want their parents to be pleased by their actions right. so as opposed to always kind of commanding your kid to do such and such model the good behavior invite the child to do it with you um, be teaching and explaining while you're doing it and you know this does require teaching and guidance from the adult but you know if you do it together this is what you wanted, right? When you brought a cat into the family, you wanted mm -hmm. a family member you can all bond with. I mean, here you go, here's the opportunity. So play together, pet the cat together, sit together with the cat and, and take these opportunities to bond with both your cat and your child, really. And you're teaching your child lifelong valuable lessons um, of empathy, of understanding you know, for another living being who's vulnerable and dependent. And you know, these, are, these are traits that will take any child very far in life. So not only is it enjoyable, but it's just a great lesson all the way around. What should parents be cautious of when they, uh, have, when they have children that are just getting, getting up and walking around and becoming active and they have you know, resident cats that have been living there prior to the kids coming around. What should parents be aware of? What kind of safety measures can they take to get the cat comfortable and have the kids slowly get an understanding of, you know, 
right and wrong? Toddlers are difficult because do have kind of herky-jerky motions and, you know, you're going to be pretty busy chasing after your toddler, but now isn't the time to shortchange your cat either. So just make sure you're, you're leaving plenty of time in your day from one-on-one -on -one time with your cat because the more your cat feels loved and safe and secure with you, and the more you show your cat that you understand him and that he might be nervous, the more okay he's going to be with this new living being kind of, you know, from your cat's point of view, all of this took place without any warning at all. So, you know, sometimes we have to understand that what we might term as aggression if the cat hisses, or we might term as aggression if the cat swats, really the cat is confused and the cat is fearful and the cat doesn't understand. So the more time we can spend with the cat, be reassuring, lavish, you know, I know you're gonna be busy, right? You have a toddler, but lavish love and attention on your cat, even if it's with your voice. Mm -hmm. Use your voice in a soothing tone, mm -hmm. the cat will understand. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you see your kid, you know, running after the cat or screaming, you know, do what you would do any, in any situation if your child was doing that to a, a sibling, or you know, doing something dangerous, right? You'd pick up the kid and, and remove the child from the situation and maybe just say a firm no, something the kid will understand um, or redirect your child. So mm -hmm. all of that same advice will pertain to your cat. But in the meantime, just be very reassuring with your cat. Try to keep the schedule you know, the same as much as possible. Try to let the cat realize that you know, his world is not being turned upside down. Sometimes even little things like playing a radio softly, you know, if you have a kid who's yelling a lot or crying or screaming, playing a radio softly can kind of help with the cat as well. Um, and some cats even like the TVs, you know, like, they like the videos. So some things like that too can help the cat feel like the signs of life in the home are still relatively normal. Okay, got it. What about if kitty, well, kitty, what if kitty's hissing? and because the kid's all over the place and screechy and everything. Um, <laughs> that's a really bad way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it makes me sound like I'm anti-kid and I'm not. <laughs> well, some of us do like cats better than kids, so, you know. Yes. That's okay. I agree with that, <laughs> but we all have to work together. Yes, we do. And, um, and there's lots of amazing moms, cat moms who have kids and you know moms who have cats so there's just a, i have so many amazing clients that are i mean it's cat on one one side and baby on the other and it's the sweetest thing i love the pictures they send me and they love the fur child as almost as much as they love their child and the, the connections there you know so i love that and it's absolutely possible it's just you have to take initiative and not leave your cat behind after having it having a child That's you do and just remember that cats want to be loved so they just need to be shown how and that applies to cat you know with a baby with a toddler mm -hmm. um they're going to want to love that child they're going to want to be continue to be part of the family right. so as long as you you teach your your child appropriate behavior and you help your child bond with the cat through interactive play and through gentle petting the rest will will really fall into place. Um, there aren't too many kids who don't love cuddly cats. That's true. A lot of uh, um, 
parents become very nervous about the kitty's nails and scratching the baby um, accidentally or you know out of fear so what do we how do we handle a situation when the parents are in a tizzy and they want to uh, out of fear and you know how some people are, you know, they get a little nuts. I do. And, I understand. Yeah. And yeah. they blame the animal for something and clip the cat's nails. So what do we do and how do we help them uh, make to make sure that kitty's not getting agitated? And also what should they do to make sure those nails are clipped? And I mean, it's committing time. Yeah. So let's, yeah. So that's a really good question. So let's, let's, let's start off with sort of, if you have, um, kids who are a little older, you know, elementary school age, kids that age, so no cat goes from sitting comfortably to swatting. So chances, and no cat wants to be aggressive. So chances are if the cat has now swatted, he's already shown you 17 different signals that I'm getting irritated and finally, you know, the cat swats. So you might think your cat is bad because swatted but really he did that because his 17 other signals went unheeded so in your cat's mind now he had no other option but to you know let you know what he's thinking by swatting so elementary age kids and up can absolutely learn cat body language and that is your best bet to avoid getting to something like that learn the signals and so sit down with your cat and teach your sit down with your child Teach your child, sometimes they're synonymous, teach your child, you know, what ears look like in a relaxed position, what the tail looks like in a relaxed position, what the body looks like in a relaxed position. You know, there are even little cartoons that you can give to your kid that show these, these um, body, body language mannerisms of a cat. So it's very simple. So first things first, you know, elementary and over, they can absolutely learn cat body language. For you know your little your little toddlers, um, so now we have to sort of look at the cat. Of course, make sure the nails are clipped regularly. Um, if you can't do it yourself, you know, bring your cat to the vet, bring your cat to a groomer. Um, these people are professionals, and they'll do it for you. If you want to do it yourself and you feel um, that you need a little bit of help, you know, with medication, there are plenty of options that. Um, you can use to gently sedate your cat so that you can um, clip, clip their nails yourself. So there's plenty of options for that. It literally takes under five minutes. Right. You know, get a good sharp clipper, it is not a big deal. There's a variety of products you can use with your cat. Don't be afraid to try them as long as they don't have any health issues that would contraindicate the use. Yeah, there's plenty of over-the-counter things that will help calm a cat. Even mm -hmm. the cat calm enough, you know, so you can quickly do the nails. Um, and the other component is you must, must, must have opportunities for your cat to scratch and condition his or her claws. So you need to have scratching posts and um, the scratching post has to be useful to a cat. And by that, I mean, it can't be a carpet covered post because carpet covered posts are basically useless for a cat. They don't condition the claws. Sometimes they won't use them because their claws even get stuck in those loops of the carpet. Um, they don't do the job. So the cat is going to try to get that feeling of, you know, using his claws out somewhere else if you don't have a good post. 
So rope or sisal wrap is really important, no carpet. The post needs to be at least three feet tall. I see so many of them that are really short. The cat can't get a full stretch that way. The cat, the cat is not gonna like hunch over to use a scratching post. Mm -hmm. So super duper good scratching posts. And if your cat likes to scratch horizontally, a really good corrugated cardboard scratching pad. So these, these um, items are a must. So a lot of times a cat scratches out of um, fear, but also out of tension and anxiety. Scratching does release tension and anxiety. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that there is an emotional component to scratching. So if you have these other items in your house and your cat is always scratching the appropriate items as he needs to, you're trimming the nails and you're teaching your kids um, about cat body language, you should be okay. And of course, you know, most, you're gonna be home with your, with your newborn, you know, so you're gonna have opportunities to make sure every, everything stays okay too. But a cat is not going to just jump on a baby and scratch, that's just not gonna happen. Good, thank you for that information. Also have a safe zone for the kitty where they can go and get away from the kid and high places where the cat can go and chill out and watch you instead of be stressed out, being stressed out by you at your level. Yes, I mean, cat trees are great and window perches are great, but um, you don't have to spend a lot of money. You know, look around your house, chances are there's all kinds of unused shelving mm -hmm. that could be repurposed. There's, you know, tops of bureaus, there's backs of sofas. So um, I know some of the people roll their eyes and they say, oh, well, just go get a cat tree because they can be a little pricey. Um, and if you live in a small um, apartment or home, you probably don't want, you know, seven cat trees. But <laughs> you, most people do have, you know, shelving and existing furniture that's already in their house that can easily be repurposed as a, as a cat spot. Great. So now that we've talked about uh, scratching and nails and kids, how about play aggression or just uh, petting aggression? How do we handle that situation? Because that can come along with kids as well when they're over petting the, the, the cat. I mean, it goes hand in hand. And then obviously in the shelter system, people are just shoving you know, their hands in the, in, in the cages and rubbing the cat's head nonstop and the cat hisses and backs away. What are we doing here? Let's yeah, so that's a good, that is a good lead-in because there are a lot of kids, you know, who just keep petting and petting the cat and they don't realize that cats, like us, have our limits. And I guarantee, and I, I'm not saying try this at home, folks, but I guarantee that that same child, if he was touched and touched and touched and touched and touched, might get a little irritated too. So we do have to be aware, you know, that, that cats like us do have their own preferences for how they like to be touched, where they like to be touched, and how often. And this is completely normal. I mean, most people feel the same way. But I think the thing with petting aggression is what's tricky is the person or the child is petting the cat and they seem to be enjoying closeness, right? It seems to be something pleasurable. And it can be scary to a, a child or a cat because it, it appears to come out of nowhere. But chances are, you know, the cat had exhibited um, several warning signs before it got to the point of scratching um, or biting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the cat usually enjoys 
the physical contact, but it can get to the point where it becomes too much or overstimulating. And then that cat will display a warning signal. Um, some common ones are their skin might be twitching, their mm -hmm. tail might be lashing back and forth. Definitely, as I said before, the ears going into a T position. Um, glancing at your hands is a sign that the cat might be having enough. Um, you might notice the cat's kind of looking at your hands. Um, so your best bet is for the family as a whole, the parents and the children, to become more aware of that cat's particular warning signs because every cat has them. There's no cat who goes from being pet to scratching. They don't want to get to that point. Cats don't like that feeling. I mean, cats will avoid a fight at all costs, and that's why they have all of these ways to communicate. You know, I'm letting you know I'm not happy anymore. So you'll see the skin twitching, tail lashing, tail thumping, the T position, glancing at your hands. Maybe the cat's kind of shifting the body position because he's trying to like get away. Mm -hmm. So most cats, if you start paying attention, are very predictable in terms of how long petting is going to be allowed. So if you use that knowledge and you pay attention to your cat and you, you know, you take the time to learn about your cat and respect your cat's preferences, you, you can just stop before your cat gets to that point. So for example, if you start paying attention to your cat, if he typically allows you to pet him for about five minutes before these behaviors start or you get swatted, then consistently stop after two minutes, right? Five minutes is a long time, Rachel. I mean, petting my cat for five minutes, I'm like, I can't handle you after 30 seconds. <laughs> Not so, that I don't, I mean, I love them, but by 30, that's a lot of petting. That's, that's a, a lot, lot of petting. petting. I have a cat who'll sit on my lap and let me pet him all night long. Depends on the cat, but whatever it is. Can you repeat that? You have a cat what? You I have a cat. I have a cat who will sit on my lap the entire evening and let me pet him. So it depends on the cat. But yeah, so let's say your cat only allows petting for two minutes. Mm -hmm. We're going to stop after one minute. Let's right. say your cat only allows one minute. We're going to always stop after 30 seconds. You Got can it. do it by the stroke too. Mm -hmm. Let's say you stroke your cat twice. We're going to stop after one. Okay, mm -hmm. so the idea is get a handle on the length of time or the number of strokes your cat will allow. It consistently and always stop before that. This way you're always, always leaving your cat in a contented state or maybe even wanting more as opposed to getting to that point of overstimulation. So does that also help desensitize them when you pull back and over time you can go longer than one pet? Does that desensitize them? Yes, that is a great no. question. No, that's a great question. Absolutely. Do that consistently and when you get to the point where you can always pet your cat for this shorter time or less strokes, depending on how you're out. Know. Um, your cat's gonna realize that you understand her and the more you understand her, the better things are going to be. And then you can gradually you know, add that time back in. So you can pet your cat for two strokes, stop, give her a bit of break, and then resume. Or you can gradually, you know, if we were stopping consistently at 30 seconds, let's move up to 45 seconds. Mm -hmm. 
stay on that time frame for a while. When that's going well, we can gradually move up to 60 seconds and so forth. So um, you can absolutely start to very gradually, you know, lengthen the duration of the sessions or add in another stroke very incrementally and gradually. And yes, you can teach your cat to accept that and you can desensitize your cat is exactly what you said. Um, but first we want to get that cat, you know, de-stressed, happy and accepting what the cat will accept. In these matters, it's always best to go at the cat's pace. So yeah, figure out what your, what your cat's threshold is and then consistently stay way below that threshold when, you know, even if it's short, maybe it's a little squirt on the head. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Just do that. And, and, and you'll, you'll leave your cat in a happy state that way. Thank you. Is that something, if you have, if you're fostering cats, a lot of people are fostering cats right now and cats in the shelter system. Yeah. How about just soft conversation instead of touching unless they approach you? Is that, what do we do if, you know, we're in a shelter and we're touching every cat. I, I see the agitation that some of these cats have to deal with in, the, in yeah. the shelters. And then when they come into a foster home, immediately, you know, they, some unexperienced, inexperienced fosters uh, tend to want to just get the cats going and have them part of the household. It's a tough thing to do. And some cats will lash out. It doesn't mean they're bad. What do we do in that situation? Just start slow, like you said? Yeah, I mean, your shelter question is a great one because you have all these volunteers coming in and out who want to pick the cats. And then on the date, well, not right now with COVID, but typically you'd have open hours where people would come in. But so let's even right now, so you have volunteers who are, you know, um, most shelters now let their volunteers come back in and work with the cats. And there's like maybe some very... Um, specific hours for somebody to come in and meet a cat. I think the best thing in a shelter is to develop um, a communication plan. So on the front of each, um, you know, if you have kennels, if you have pods, or just if you have like a whiteboard, mm -hmm. um, I think as, as volunteers come in and work with the cat, it would be really great if they noted that on the board. So if there was a volunteer who came in at three, and she was petting, petting, petting the cat, you know, off and on during her shift of three to four. That would be great if she wrote that on the whiteboard. And then the next volunteer who comes in maybe doesn't do all the pet, pet, pet. Maybe that volunteer does some play or uses um, a puzzle feeder with the cat or some other means of enrichment other than touch, touch, touch. Mm -hmm. Because you know, and this can backfire too. You know, volunteer comes in, pet, pet, pet. Volunteer comes in, pet, pet, pet. Potential adopter comes in and goes to pet and gets whacked. So, um, you know, it's good if the shelters have some type of way to commute for the volunteers to communicate that is up there for everyone to see. So if, if you've seen a cat has already been petted by two volunteers, you know, that's probably enough for that day. Um, and err on the side of caution, right? Because you don't want the cat to start associating touch with fear. Um, that's not what we want to teach the cats in the shelter, right? Because that's going to make it harder for them to get to find a home. And I think too with fostering, I, I think, you know, the idea of fostering is you want the cat to be well adjusted and get to a home. And I think 
a lot of fosters feel like, you know, that's a good avenue is, you know, to try to pet the cat as much as possible. But it's the same, it is the same philosophy. You know, you want to respect their, their boundaries and you don't want to overdo it. So always start off slow. You can never go wrong by being conservative. So you just pet the cat for very short periods of time and everything's going okay, then go ahead and add on. But don't start off, you know, trying to do more than the cat might want and the cat might accept. And always, always, always watch that cat for body language and, and signals. Cats really are amazing communicators. And swatting or biting is always, always a last. So we need to learn to become more aware of their signs and signals and what they are trying to tell us. And we need to listen and respect what they're trying to say. Well, well then that takes me to play aggression because there, when cats are in a state of this hyper play and fun and all of a sudden they lash out at the cat that was just laying down on the other, on a cat bed on the floor or they jump and, you know, instead of, playing with their toy, they jump and grab your ankle and start bunny kicking. What do we do with play aggression? How are we, what are we supposed to look for as cat parents when it comes to play aggression? Or if we have a new cat who we're not familiar with? Yeah, this, I'm so glad you asked this. I see this all the time. What people tend to do is, you know, we whip out the fishing pole type toy and, you know, we, we're having a grand old time, right? We're, we're, dancing the toy all over the place. The cat is chasing it. The cat is chasing it. I see two things that happen. One is there are many people who think that the object of the game is how long you can keep the toy away from the cat. So they never let the cat pounce on the toy, really have a good, good juicy capture. Okay, so we want to provide multiple captures when we're playing with the cat. The game isn't about keeping the toy away, but letting the cat get. And when you let the cat get the toy, he is not going to have that need now to redirect to another cat or redirect to your ankles because he's gotten the toy. He's had the capture. The second piece is that most people will play for a certain amount of time. And, you know, they'll look at their watches. Oh, we look at the time. I'm done. And they put the pull down and, and walk away. Well, now you're leaving your cat in a very revved up state and not rewarded or satisfied by getting the whole purpose of the hunt is to get the feast. So the big thing that I see most people leave out is they don't wind the game down. They pretend, be realistic. The prey is getting injured. The prey is getting tired. The prey dies. Let the cat have a, a really good final juicy capture and follow that with a treat that you know your cat loves. You need to have the food after the hunt. If you, if you just do hunt, eat, so the natural cat cycle is hunt, eat, relax, contentment, right? Mm -hmm. If you just leave the cat in the hunt, you're leaving your cat super rubbed up. So you want to be able to let the cat capture it and eat, and then your cat will be relaxed and not have a need to go after another cat or your ankles. He's gotten the capture, he's gotten the food, he's good. So if you, so let's say you have to, the phone rings and you have to grab the call and you can't wind down, but the kitty has 
the little, you know, the feather in their paw and they're about to, you know, try to kill it. Can you just leave them with their capture and step away? And as you're talking on the phone, go grab some treats and the cat slowly winds down on their own. This is my, this is my lazy person's way of doing it. <laughs> <laughs> they already, they have their. Yeah. Capture. So before you start the session, I would say have a couple, I would say before you start the session, have a couple treats in your pocket because got, the goal is to end with the food. And so play, 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 phone rings. Okay, let the cat get it, toss a treat and go get your call. Um, toss a treat. Or oh if you're like me and you live your entire life with cats, you let it go to voicemail and continue playing with your cat. <laughs> so let, let's continue with this um, play aggression because we, we covered this in, in our first conversation, four conversations ago, we talked about laser toys. And I, the first time I used a laser toy with, with my first cat, well, I didn't, my, my ex-husband did, um, my kitty became very aggressive with my newly adopted kitten. And uh, Lionel, he, my ex-husband was playing with a laser toy and he, you could see him getting frustrated. And the kitten was just laying there watching, kind of goofy, you know, with those big ears. And um, after a few minutes, the, the older cat went and attacked the kitten. So you know, I was in a panic. I was like, oh my God, what's going on? I got all upset. And that was you know, that play aggression. I just thought, wait a second, what, what is it? And it was, I, it was a laser that I, I got worried about. And you don't like laser toys. Can we talk not. about that? Yeah. No, this is the perfect segue. So I've just explained why having that capture mm -hmm. is so important, right? The cat needs to feel that tactile capture um, in between his paws or in his mouth. He needs to feel that tangible object. So with a laser pointer, we have an elusive red dot that can never be captured. So here's your poor cat. He sees the dot, certain of a sure catch. He gets into position and he pounces on it. He get, he's pounces right on the dot, only to find nothing there. There is nothing to catch. The laser pointer causes so much frustration and tension and anxiety in a cat. I, I really wish pet supply stores didn't. Um, I say this all the time. Laser pointers were designed for PowerPoint presentations in the office. That's where they should stay. They shouldn't be a toy for your cat. So yes, what you witnessed with um, your cat playing with a laser toy and getting incredibly frustrated and then redirecting that aggression and frustration onto your other cat is incredibly common. If there's not another cat, these are the cats that end up redirecting the aggression on the human. They're gonna chomp into your ankle, um, you know, or, or swat at you or something that we're not going to really find that acceptable. So yes, the laser pointer never allows the cat to have capture and it's very frustrating for a cat. I can't tell you, it makes them very, so leave them at the office, get an interactive fishing pole type toy and play with your cat in a way that he gets actual captures and then food at the end. And no, playing with a laser toy and then throwing some food at your cat is not going to work because he didn't get the capture. It needs to be realistic. Don't try to trick your cat. He's too smart for that. Okay, so bullet point for 
um, successful and happy play with your cat. Fishing pole type toy. Make sure it has a nice long wand because that will give your cat a comfort zone and no laser pointers. And when you're looking for fishing pole type toys, you know, think about how your cat likes to play. Some cats like things that are up. Some cats like things slithering, slithering around the floor. Some cats like feathers. Some cats like a ribbon of fleece. So think about your cat's preferences and get that item that's gonna really trigger your personal cat's prey drive. I'm gonna throw in one last little thing about interactive play. I hear a lot of times people say, I don't have time to play with my cat. Now, <laughs> I really don't understand that because it, I'm asking for like 10 or 15 minutes a day. And if you don't have 10 or 15 minutes a day to spend with your cat, you probably shouldn't have a cat. However, <laughs> let's say I'm gonna take you at face value and you really just don't have time. I have cats and have had cats who love dental floss. So I say to some particularly, you know, difficult and stressed out clients, take an extra long piece of floss before you go to sleep, floss your teeth, walk around the house. The cats will chase and play with the dental floss while you're flossing your teeth. I mean, this, this is beneficial in so many ways. Your cat's getting the interactive play and you know, you're going to have a great dental appointment the next time. Go see your hygienist. So it's a win-win all the way around. But but get creative. You know, if you if you if you're, I'm making a joke of it. But get creative. You know, think of ways you can multitask if you have to. Maybe while you return phone calls, you tie a long ribbon of fleece to a belt loop and you walk around the house. Mm -hmm. um, you know, think of ways that you can squeeze it in because it's going to make a big difference for your cat. That, those are great points. I actually do this with one of my cats. Uh, her favorite toy, I found out I was trying to hang a picture with the uh, clear, it's not a wire, it's a string. It's the clear um, plastic string. And um, I put it down for a second and she went haywire. I said, this is great. I have 30 feet right here. I tied it to my belt loop and I just cleaned the house and did things and she just chased me around. It was the most fun she had. So now uh, we just run up and down the hallway 10 times and she's exhausted, comes lay down, lays down and licks her ass and I'm done. <laughs> so, <laughs> Couldn't be any easier. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's not that hard. As humans, we make things more difficult for our animals and ourselves than it really needs to be. We have to start with ourselves first and be self-aware and know that it's our responsibility. If we're gonna bring these animals into our homes, it's our responsibility to give them a quality of life. And that includes play and making sure our kids are respectful of the animal's needs. So thank you for today. You are a wealth of information as always. And we are going to continue this behavior series every month. Thank you. Thank you.